All right. Well, I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. And uh, if you want to take the bookmark of the Bible and place it there or a note card in front of you, place it and just close it for a moment. We will be uh, taking some time and looking at a very familiar passage to all of us uh, who at least grew up in the church. And for those of you who are new to the church, not only do we welcome you, but I'm sure you have even heard of the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 people with uh, some fish and some bread. And uh, that's the story we're going to look at today as we consider it from a posture of being a servant who serves and loves others like Jesus. And so as we kind of prepare ourselves for uh, our journey through this story, once again, a very familiar story to us, I want to remind you that uh, the blessed life is a very practical way of bringing evangelism into everyday life. Uh, we who have been a part of this church for some time are familiar with the blessed practices. It's an acronym, B-L-E-S-S, uh, these five practices for Christians to be a blessing to their neighbors uh, include beginning with prayer. That's what B stands for. In order to be a blessing to others, we begin by praying for others. We listen with care. We take time to get to know people by listening to them. We eat together. We know that good things happen around the table when we eat together as we get to know one another better. And then the fourth one is the S, the first S in bless, which we're looking at today, the practice of serving others with love. And then the final S in bless is that we are to share our story uh, for God's glory. The whole goal of the blessed life is to love our neighbors and to change the world around us. We know that God has not only given us a message of hope, but he's given us the ability to change the world by loving people. He's given us the Holy Spirit to empower us, to encourage us, and to help us to love people well. And so today, we're going to take a look at the fourth blessed practice, and that is to serve. Before we do that, let's take a moment to pray. Father, as we take a minute this morning and consider the importance of serving others with love, open our eyes and challenge us and encourage us. Help us to leave today knowing that there is an expectation you have of us as your people to love people and to serve them well, that through us, they would not only experience you, they would see you, but they would also hear about you so that they could come to know you as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus pointedly said, the Son of Man, referring to himself, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus really did model for us what it means to pray for others, what it means to take time to listen to others, that once we share a meal with somebody, which gives us an inroad to being a little bit more intimate and personal with somebody, it's then that we can oftentimes better understand the need of those around us so that we can serve them more effectively. And once we begin to serve those in our life, 
oftentimes it's then that God provides us with an opportunity to tell them about Jesus Christ. Serving others by meeting their needs is a great way to be, quite literally, the hands and the feet of Jesus. Remember that the ministry of Jesus didn't cease to exist when he ascended to heaven. The ministry of Jesus continues today, but does so through his church, the body of Christ. That's you, and that is me. As we serve others, we not only meet their needs, but we can oftentimes help them to understand their greatest need, which is our greatest need, which we share, and that's having our sins forgiven. There's no greater need in this world than that. For if we do not have our sins forgiven, our eternity and our future is bleak. See, opportunities to bless others through loving acts of service, they really are all around us, aren't they? But what it will require of us is to be people who observe our surroundings. We have to be people who live life from a posture of observation, paying attention to what's going on around us, so that when we see a need and we experience compassion to meet that need, the third thing we'll need is follow-through. I don't know about you, but the first two are kind of easy for me. I can see what's going on around me, and I can even see a need before me. That need that I see might even produce within me a reaction to want to help to serve that person or to meet that need. The greater challenge I find in my life, and maybe you can relate to this, is not in seeing the need or even having compassion for the need, but the follow-through of actually doing something to meet the need of those in your life. The act of serving others, I'm going to suggest it can, and maybe even it should, begin in our homes. In family life, there are basic duties and responsibilities that need to be accomplished for the benefit of everybody. Now, if you're going to sit down and have dinner tonight or lunch after church, if you don't go out and eat, but you do it at home, somebody needs to prepare the food. When the food is finished, somebody needs to do the dishes. In everyday ordinary life in our homes, the garbage needs to be taken out, the house needs to be picked up and cleaned, the laundry needs to be done so that we can have clean clothes. All of these duties are things that we can share in family life as a husband and wife or even allow the kids to be a part of this. There's ways that we can practice serving others in our life. And, you know, when, when I think about these ways, by beginning in the home and by not only serving one another in this capacity, but teaching our kids to be a part of family life by serving one another, I'm oftentimes reminded that uh, taking out the trash, doing the laundry so that I have clean clothes, uh, making food and cleaning the dishes, like none of this stuff gets done on its own. Are you ever reminded of that? And is there anybody in your household who might claim that they do most of that all the time? While the rest of you just sit around and watch me do this. 
Wives, keep your elbows to yourself. <laughs> and husbands, if this is you, keep your elbows to yourself too. But I got to confess that there are times that these simple, everyday, ordinary tasks of life are things that I can easily overlook. And I'll tell you why in a time of confession. Sometimes I'm just flat out too tired to want to do anything about it. Sometimes I'm lazy. I don't want to do it. Other times, I don't feel like I have the time or the energy that is needed to give to that simple, ordinary task. And so, when it's time to do the dishes, it's like a convenient time to get a headache, isn't it? I don't really do that, but... My kids, when it's time to do the dishes, seemingly have to go to the bathroom, and then they leave, and I don't know what that's all about. But we all have excuses, don't we? If I'm going to serve and love my family well, then I must not look away when there's an opportunity to serve. So like when I'm leaving the house and there's a neatly packaged garbage bag sitting by the door and it never makes it to the garbage because I happen to walk right by it and get in the car and leave, and I come home and I'm reminded that that garbage was by the door. How could you have just walked right by it? I didn't even see it. Or did I? Sometimes I see it and think, ah, the kids will get it. Other times I don't see it and it's sitting right there. But if I'm going to serve my family well, then I have to take time to see what's going on around me. I have to have compassion, which will lead me to action. And there's got to be follow through so that the need before me is actually met. This is also true when it comes to the people that God has placed in our lives who we are to bless by serving them. I hope you're seeing the connection that I'm trying to make. See, we must not look away from others. When we see their need, and God gives us an opportunity to serve them with love. We must not look away from others when we see their need, thinking that somebody else will see it too. And by the way, I'm in a hurry, so I got to get going. I don't have time to do anything about it. Hopefully, the next person has enough time to do something about it. As we go through life, God gives us every opportunity to love and to serve and to meet the needs of people around us if we see them, if we have compassion for them, and if we're willing to follow through with meeting their needs. And I think there's no better example of what it means to serve in love than to look at the life of Jesus himself. And I want to take you to a passage this morning to show you how Jesus loved and served others well, but I also want it to be an example for us of how he taught his disciples to be mindful of serving others. So we come to Matthew chapter 14. If you don't mind, open your Bibles now and 
We're going to begin looking at verse 13. We're going to read through verse 21. You can follow along on the screen or in the text in your hand. As soon as Jesus heard the news, well, I want to pause here because the news that Jesus had heard was that John the Baptist had just been beheaded. He died. Jesus hears this news, according to Matthew in this timeline, this is what's happening. He left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus says, this isn't necessary. You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. People we are meant to serve are in close proximity to us. I think one of the first lessons that we can learn from what Jesus is doing here in this miraculous story is helping us to, to realize that the people that we are meant to serve are really those who are in close proximity to us. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is actually more than 5,000. It's 5,000 men plus their wives and children. So it's very likely that we're talking about 15 to maybe 20,000 people here. There's a lot of people. I mean, we're, we only have five loaves of bread and, and two fish. It's interesting to note that the story or the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 is the only miracle Jesus performed that is in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is a good indication to us that, that there's a reason that this story is in all of the Gospels because it's an important story to help reveal to us the nature of who Jesus is. The story of feeding the 5,000 so we don't actually miss the point was a sign to the people and to us that Jesus is who he said he is and he can do what he said he can do. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the one who has authority and control over all things. As he served people out of compassion for them, he's also teaching his disciples what it means to serve and to love others like God wants us to. Notice Jesus' observation. One, he sees the crowd. It was obvious there's a huge crowd that was coming for him, and he sees the crowd, and when he sees the crowd, his reaction was one of compassion. 
What is compassion? Compassion is the very thing that sets love in our life into action. If you think of it like that. Compassion is that deeply rooted sense or feeling we get internally within us that causes us when we see a need to want to do something about it. It compels us to take a step forward and to put into action the very thing that will help meet the need that we see before us, whether it be in our own life or the life of others. The goal of compassion should really be to prevent the suffering of others. Now, if we consider this story in light of all of the Gospels, primarily Matthew and John, what we, what we recognize is that Jesus, according to Matthew here, he not only had compassion on the crowd, but he also healed the sick. In John's Gospel and other Gospels, it tells us that, that Jesus saw the people as sheep without a shepherd, who were wandering aimlessly and needed purpose and direction in life. And so he took time to teach them. One would ask, what was he doing with this crowd all day long? He was actually teaching them about the kingdom of God, about the values of the kingdom, about how to gain eternal life, and about how to live the kingdom values of heaven out on earth. He was telling the people that he wanted to be their shepherd and that he was inviting them to follow him. In his compassion for them, he saw all the needs that they had and he was healing people. Essentially what Jesus is helping us see is how we can be a neighbor to our neighbors. There are many ways that we need to be mindful of our neighbors and the needs that they have. Simple things. We're not talking hard things. We're talking simple, everyday, ordinary activities in life that we must understand that if we're going to be a neighbor to our neighbors and serve others well, then, then we have to understand that they have needs that we can meet. Simple needs, like mowing their lawn when they're gone. Tending to their mail when they're on vacation. Other needs like being able to pick up groceries or medication. COVID's still a thing, and when somebody's down and sick, maybe making a meal for the family so that they can have a meal time that is one where mom or dad doesn't have to put the extra effort into trying to figure out what to do. These are simple, everyday, ordinary things that we can do to people around us to help them have needs in their life met. Another simple one is that there are some people in our world who are technologically challenged. <laughs> I happen to be one of them. But if you're a tech-savvy person, offer yourself to help somebody work the television remote or the tablet, the, the, the iPhone, or, or their computer. There's a lot of people who are missing out on a lot of things in life simply because they don't know what to do and they're afraid to ask. One of the things that makes a good servant is somebody who's willing to allow others to serve them. We live in a culture that says, I can do it on my own. I'm good, thanks. No, you can't. You weren't meant to. You weren't designed to. And no, you can't. 
And for those of you in your head are thinking, yeah, watch me, I'll prove it to you, go, well, fine. Go ahead and struggle through that. Let me know how it goes for you. That's our kids, right? Why do you have to learn from example? Why can't you just learn from what I'm telling you? Because I've done that. To be a good servant means that we have to allow others to serve us as well. Some people, if we consider the needs of our neighbors, when I mean a neighbor, I don't mean literally your next door neighbor, but maybe I do. How about a coworker? How about a friend? Somebody within your world that's in close proximity to you. They just might simply need a word of encouragement. Someone to talk to. Someone to pray for them. Maybe they just need you to be a friend. Our mission lies wherever our feet take us. Sometimes we think that we need to go across the country or go overseas to really have an experience of serving people. Problem is, when we do that, sometimes we forget to look around us and see the needs of our very own neighbors. We need to start with where we live, where we work, where we play, where we go to school, where we hang out, and the people in our own neighborhood. When it comes to serving, God has either sent you to the people you're to serve, or he's going to send you to the people he wants you to serve. Remember that. As you go through life, the path, the journey that you're on, God might send you to the other side of the country or the other side of the world. Yes, he might. But what about the people that your path crosses today? Are you taking time to observe what's going on around you? Do we really take time to have compassion on the needs before us? And are we committed and willing to follow through to meet the needs of those we see? So consider the people in your path today as the people that God wants you to serve. Jesus saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. He taught them. He healed them. And we're going to find out here in a moment that he also fed them. For what he had compassion on and for the people and their need, you'll see the contrast of how the disciples respond of wanting to make their problem someone else's. Let's check it out. Beginning in verse 15. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowd away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Well, bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. So what can we learn from this? We should utilize our resources and access God's power when serving people. What did the disciples say to Jesus? 
Like, we see all these people here. Man, it's getting late, and they're getting hungry, and so are we. Next point in your sermon, Jesus, tell them to go eat and come back later. And he's like, uh-uh, no, no, uh-uh, nope, you feed them. If we were to consider other gospel accounts, Philip and Andrew have this exchange with Jesus. <laughs> Philip, Philip, he's like, uh, so Jesus is testing Philip and he says, he says, um, why don't you go and buy food for these people? And Philip's like, no, 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 listen, even if all 12 of us disciples worked for six months and pooled our money together, we still couldn't buy enough food for everybody to have one bite. But Jesus knew what he was going to do, right? And then Andrew steps in and he's like, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. And by the way, they're not even ours. This little boy over here, he brought lunch. He's like the only smart one among us because nobody else brought anything to eat. And, and he did. And, and so this is all we have. Are you kidding? We cannot feed them. Really? So Jesus looks at them and he says, no, yes, you can. But what you're doing is you're looking at your circumstances and your resources wrongly. You see your limitations. And Jesus says, I see the opportunity for God to go to work. In John chapter 14, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Here's a question I have for you. Do you really believe this? Do you believe in the power of God at work in your life and in the life of others who can do the things that are impossible to meet the needs of the people around you. Sometimes we see needs and we say, yeah, I would love to do something for that, but I don't have the means or the resources to. I'd venture to say if God has crossed your path with that individual, he will make sure you have everything you need to meet their need. God can do that. When you encounter an opportunity to serve others, what's your most natural response? I'll tell you what mine is. Mine is oftentimes to look at their need, assess the situation, consider my resources and the resources of others, and then I make a judgment call as to whether or not I can do something about it. it sounds reasonable, right? But it's not what Jesus wants us to do. What does he want us to do? He wants us to fix our eyes on the Father first and pray. Do you notice? He took the resources the disciples had and he said, give those here. Tell everybody to sit down, we're going to feed them. And he looked to heaven and he asked God to do what God can do. Multiply the minimum so it has maximum effect. See, one of the things I too often fail at when I encounter a need that I get to serve is I don't pray about it first. I consider all my limitations and then I plead with God to do something about it. Jesus doesn't want us to live like that. When considering the resources needed to meet the need of others or even yours, 
question is, are you maximizing what God has given you so that it can be used for the benefit of others? One commentator said, God will shatter the pint-sized expectations of what his followers can do if they would learn to bring him what they have already been given for little as much when God is in it. When Christians are willing to offer their lives sacrificially, relinquishing their hold on whatever God has given them in terms of time, money, talents, etc., God will use these ordinary things to create extraordinary things. Christians must never believe their resources are too little to serve God. God delights in taking a humble, seemingly insignificant person and using him or her for his glory. So when we have a conversation with God about the needs of those around us, remember what God told his disciples, because I believe it's what he's going to tell us too. You feed them. You feed them. Don't look to somebody else to do it. I mean, if I walk by that trash bag that's sitting next to the door and I don't take it to the dumpster, either A, I didn't see it because I wasn't paying attention to my surroundings, or B, I just passed it thinking someone else will do it. Both of those are failures on my part. I need to pay attention to what's going on, and I need to take opportunities that I have to serve. In verse 19, Jesus looked to heaven. He blessed the food and God multiplied the resources. Remember, God is a God of the impossible. And he wants to show up and display his power in you and through you. When my grandfather Delbert was alive, uh, he went through about where he was sick and we had taken him to the hospital and they had kind of pre-diagnosed him with pancreatic cancer. And so all the tests and indications were pointing to this direction and the screening and scans were indicating this. And so we got transferred to the Twin Cities to a specialist to do more screenings. And, and before we got transferred, I just felt so helpless. And I remember going to grandpa and saying, grandpa, how do, how do you want to proceed? Like, what, what should we do? And he's like, well, we got to go, and then we got to make a plan for how we're going to deal with this. And I'm like, maybe we should pray. You know, the Bible says that we can pray for the sick. And, and when we do, God can hear our prayers and he can heal the sick. So we called together some of the elders of the church and we took a moment to really confess our sins to one another and before God. We anointed him with oil and, and we prayed over him. And the two things we prayed for was number one, for a healing, a miraculous healing of my grandfather to take place. But number two, if that wasn't God's will, that he would bring us great comfort and understanding to what we do next. That was it. We left it to the Lord. We took off that day. We went to the Twin Cities. We got evaluated. All of the screens and scans resulted in no evidence of anything wrong with him. Well, now I'm surprised. But why? Did I not ask for God to do something and he did it? So the doctor literally asked, 
So after going through and saying, you know, this is that and everything else, and bottom line is nothing's wrong with him and we see nothing. In fact, all of the evidence that was indicated when you were at this hospital is no longer present at our hospital. And we're not talking weeks and months. We're talking literally a day. And he said, so honestly, I don't even know why you're here. And this was my response. We're here to testify the God's healing power. I had no other response to give them. I don't know what else to say other than God did what we prayed for him to do. And he demonstrated his power by healing my grandfather. And that's a moment in my life that I'll never forget that God can do miracles even still today. And I don't know that he healed my grandfather for our benefit. He may have healed him for the benefit of those who we get to tell the story to. And that's okay. If people are sick, we should pray and ask God to heal them. If they have an addiction, let's ask God to free them. If they're in a relationship that is hopeless, Let's ask God to restore that relationship and to reconcile what's broken. God can do that. Remember Jesus said of himself that he's the bread of life. When we serve others, when we actually take time to serve others, when we utilize our resources and we access God's power, it gives us an opportunity to not only meet people's physical needs, but it also gives us an opportunity to talk to them about the bread of life that can meet and heal their spiritual needs. And that person is Jesus Christ. In verse 20, we see that they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of leftovers. How about that? About 5,000 men were fed that day. And in addition to that, all the women and children. This is just a lot of people. That's the point. As we consider this, I want to remind you that when Jesus had blessed the food and it multiplied, he utilized the disciples to distribute the food to the people. Jesus could have looked up to heaven and said, fill their baskets full so that their lunch is provided. But he didn't. He said, disciples, come. I'm going to use you to serve them. And this point is that people we serve should personally benefit from our service to them. In order to best serve others, we must understand their need, and we must understand that God wants to use us to meet their need. God could have filled their basket full of food. He could have done that like that, but he chose not to. He chose to use the disciples so that there was a personal encounter, a personal touch, and he wants to use you in serving the lives of others around you to have a personal encounter, a personal touch, so they can experience Jesus in you and through you, and so they can hear about Jesus once God gives you that opportunity to share. Now, how do we evaluate the needs of those around us? Well, 
you drive a car and you look at the dashboard, there's the speedometer and then there's the other gauge of RPMs. RPMs just simply, and I'm going to simplify this, so all of you mechanics out there, take a deep breath, okay? RPMs is a simple way of gauging the health of our engine or our motors. And I'm going to say that RPMs can also be a way to gauge the health of our personal lives, but also the lives of those around us. So what does RPM stand for as we take time to evaluate our neighbor and their needs? Let me give it to you. Relationships is the R. Physical health is the P. Mental health is the M. And spiritual health is the S. RPMs. Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He grew in favor with God and with men. These are areas of our lives that should grow as well and become healthy. And if we evaluate the lives of those around us, we can look to the relationships they have. The physical health that they have, the mental health they have, and the spiritual health that they have. Our awareness of this forces us to be in relationship with people around us so that we can evaluate or assess this in their lives. By the way, this doesn't give you permission to judge others. This gives you permission to get into other people's lives. How's my neighbor doing relationally? How's their home life? Do they have close friends? Do they have a healthy circle of friends? How's my neighbor doing physically? How's their overall health? Are they exercising? Are they eating healthy? Do they talk about not being able to sleep? How's my neighbor doing mentally? Do they have signs of anxiety, depression, or mood swings? Are they a learner and are they learning? Do they have unhealthy thought patterns? Have you ever talked to your neighbor mowing lawn and you guys kind of cross paths and five minutes in, you're like, oh yeah, this guy is not healthy right now. Oh man, I need to spend some time with this guy because he is just an angry bird, right? Unhealthy thought patterns. How about... How's my neighbor doing spiritually? Do they sense something missing in their life? Are they willing to let you pray for them? Do they actually initiate spiritual conversations or are they willing to have them? Do you see them moving closer to God or further away from God? We can't make these assessments of people around us if we're not willing to get into their lives. In our family, we're always trying to look for ways to serve our neighbor. Some of the simple ways that God's blessed us with opportunities is childcare. Neighbor needs us to watch their child. We're happy to do it. They're gone for the week and we're going to tend to their yard. We don't have pets and people around us do. And so they ask our kids to take care of their pets. <laughs> we just hope they're alive when they come back. <laughs> but it's an end to their life. My one neighbor, she recently, about a year ago, lost her husband. Every time I see her outside, I'm like beelining to have a quick conversation with her. I'm sure she's like, ah, oh, here comes Trent again. <laughs> but honestly, how are you doing? Is the simple question I ask. And then I take time to listen. Serving others 
is a blessing to others. But when we serve others, we are blessed by it too. Remember this, that when we identify the needs of people around us and demonstrate compassion by meeting their needs and serving them, people will not only be blessed by our actions, but they will quite literally experience the love of Jesus Christ through us as we are the hands and feet of Jesus to them. And it's usually then, when we are able to meet a need where they're at, that they're more open to hearing about Jesus than any other time in their life. Remember, God's given you and me, as believers and followers of Him, the great privilege of loving and serving others so they too can find Jesus. That's a good word. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your loving kindness towards us. Thank you for the encouragement we gain today and the insight that as people of God, we need to observe those around us, have compassion for those in need. And God, you're really looking to us to have follow through, that we don't see our resources as limited, but look to you first and expect you, the God of the impossible, to multiply what we have to meet the needs of those around us. Help us to be faithful servants in Christ's name. Amen.